Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. It's great to be with you today, wherever you are and whenever you might be watching this. Thanks for taking the time to uh, click online with the Horsham Church of Christ. We really appreciate you taking the time to be with us through this season. Um, Just wanted to celebrate uh, as part of our church family today uh, and recognise a couple of momentous uh, celebrations. Uh, Firstly, congratulations to James and Jess Finch on the birth of Jonathan Paul James just over a week ago. Uh, Congratulations um, and every blessing to you. Uh, Jonathan is, of course, the grandson to Brian and Beverly Finch. Many of us in the Horsham Church of Christ will know and love Brian and Beverly as well as James and Jess. So congratulations. Also, to uh, Lauren and Danny Faulkner. Many of us will remember Lauren growing up in the life of the church, Lauren Harmer, uh, daughter to Gary and Julie Harmer. They welcomed twin boys uh, a few days ago as well. Uh, so congratulations on the birth of uh, Jasper Kai and Cohen Reed. We really want to celebrate that and uh, acknowledge that for your families as well. Every blessing to you all in this season as you settle into new rhythms uh, and expanded families. Uh, congratulations. Uh, just really want to take this time just to pause and invite you to pray with me as we step into opening the Word. We're going to be exploring Acts chapter 2. I'm going to take a little bit of time to get there, but if you've got your Bibles, you might like to have them open or the YouVersion Bible app. We'd love you to follow along so that you can be examining the Word, uh, having it feed your spirit and really encountering the Word of God for yourself as well and in helping your conversation, whether that's in your families, whether that's your relationship with God the Father personally or whether that's in your life groups. We really want to encourage that. So let's pray together before we step into this time. Father, we want to uh, thank you And we praise you for the gift of life, firstly. We uh, thank you for the gift of life for these families, for the Finch family, for the Faulkner family. We just honour you and bless you for these uh, incredible treasures. Um, And we're mindful of the sacred nature of new life that you have given us, that every one of us is made in your image. And we pray for these families that they would know your grace and your peace in this season. Father, we too pray as we come into this time of uh, reading your word, of exploring your word, that you would give us willing hearts, open minds to receive what you have to give to us, that we'd be attentive, not just to the words that I might speak, but to the words of your spirit for our souls. Uh, May you speak um, intentionally and meaningfully into who we are and who who you call us to be. We thank you for the freedom that we have, knowing that there's so many throughout our world who don't have this freedom to even open their word or even to acknowledge that uh, we're gathering as the church online. Uh, So we just want to acknowledge that freedom that we continue to have. uh, Grant us a hunger and a passion for your word in a way that transforms us, Uh, especially in this time and through this season, Father. May it be the beginning of new life for us. As we open your word, may you reveal new things. Uh, May we encounter old things with fresh eyes. And may we be called into a deeper relationship with you through this time. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's worth starting by saying without the declaration, Jesus is alive, uh, the church 
really has nothing to offer. If the church isn't saying Jesus is alive and if that declaration isn't able to be said, the church, quite frankly, uh, is a waste of time. (laughs) So uh, we want to start there and we want to remember that today, that Jesus is alive. We want to declare that that Jesus is alive. It was, a, it was a significant recognition and it was a significant and transforming um, declaration by the followers of Jesus. And it shocked and revolutionized the community and the society that they were a part of. Um, it turned things upside down according to the natural order of world, the world and how political people or kingdom-minded people thought it should happen. Uh, but it actually turned things the right way up according to the kingdom of God. And that takes some transforming work. And that's what I want to explore today, the nature of transformation. And uh, this exploration of a, a, a transforming moment that really set the followers of Jesus, the early followers of Jesus, on a new path. And it awakened them to a new way of relationships. That Certainly, Jesus had set the example in his ministry, but through this moment, through this moment that Christians, the church, calls the day of Pentecost, uh, the time of Pentecost, uh, this actually transformed and gave energy and power to the way that the followers of Jesus engaged and responded to the community around them. See, often in transformation, part of the problem is that there's this space in between. There's this space between what we once knew and what we don't yet know. And that's a really uncomfortable and awkward space often for us. And yet if we are willing, if we are willing, it could also be a time of anticipation and preparation. It could be the time where our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our very way of being and existing and seeing and participating in relationship with one another could be invited into something new. And it also means that we don't necessarily throw out everything that we knew, but we ready ourselves to lay down some things of what we have known or the way of being so that we can pick up new things, especially those things that God might have in store for us. So after the death and then the resurrection of Jesus, Acts chapter 1 tells us that over a period of 40 days, Jesus showed himself and gave many times of encountering the disciples. Uh, He met with them on the beach. He met with them in a closed room. He walked with them. There's these encounters throughout uh, the Gospels that we see and many more other encounters where Jesus revealed himself and showed himself indeed to be alive. It rocked their world. It changed the way that they saw it. It took them by surprise, despite the fact that Jesus had been telling them. But I suspect you and I probably wouldn't be any different had we been there. We'd like to think we would be, but we probably wouldn't be. Um, And in the midst of Jesus encountering Jesus, the disciples and revealing to them that he is indeed alive and participating in life with them, sharing a meal with them, talking with them, conversing with them. He says to them, go to Jerusalem where my Holy Spirit will come upon you. Go to Jerusalem, wait, my Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now, this is an incredible kind of moment, I think. This is an incredible moment, that space in between transformation, what we have known and what we don't yet know. Hang on, Jesus, we've just got you back. Hang on, Jesus, we're just getting used to seeing you again. Hang on, Jesus, and now you're telling us there's something new again? What? What are we meant to do with that? This space in between. 
Now, what I love about this is Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to them as he instructs them to go to Jerusalem and wait for this moment where the Holy Spirit will empower them. He doesn't tell them what that will look like. He doesn't say, this is how you experience the Holy Spirit. This is, this is what it will look like. This is the ABC. This is the order of service. He says, go to Jerusalem, wait for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. What do you like at waiting? I love going to airports and just watching people. Uh, I don't go to the airports that often, but it always fascinates me when you're waiting at the terminal gate, your ticket says go to gate 52. You make your way to gate 52 and there's a crowd of people there, enough to fill a plane generally, uh, funnily enough. And everyone's got their tickets. They've got their seat numbers. And then the announcements weren't made. Please begin boarding or boarding will begin shortly. Woof, everyone's up. Everyone's got to be the first. Everyone's got to be in the line as quickly as they possibly can. I kind of go, what's your rush? What's your rush? You've got a numbered seat. You're not going to miss out. If you're at that terminal gate, you will be fine. What strikes me just as funny about people boarding their planes is that they're just as quick to disembark. As soon as the plane pulls up to the gate at the destination, stop, everyone's up. Despite the fact they've been told just to wait, lights will go off, take your time. And then they're all standing up there waiting for the doors to open. You're actually probably not going to get off any quicker. I discovered today as I was coming in to uh, prepare for filming, um, I thought I was getting better at waiting until I pulled up at an intersection. And after about 30 seconds, I was sitting there thinking, why did I come this way? 30 seconds is all it took for me to go, I should have gone another way. I don't know, what are you like at waiting? I thought I was getting better. What are you like at waiting for the bus to show up or the tram to show up when you go and visit cities? Or... But what if we could twit, turn it around, if you like, and say waiting is an opportunity for preparation? Waiting is an opportunity for preparation. Preparing for what? I don't always know. But maybe it's changing our viewpoint. Because for what it, what it meant for these disciples, these early followers of Jesus, and we're told these early followers, there was about 120 of them towards the end of Acts chapter 1, we're told. Uh, what they did, we're told in Acts chapter 1 verse 14, is that they were united in prayer. Now, Maybe Jesus did say it and encouraged them to do that and it's not recorded because it's not that important about that instruction. But it fascinates me that the instruction isn't recorded but this was a natural response in their waiting. Their waiting pushed them into a place of prayer. Um, I think sometimes we expect God to run on our time. We expect God to run to our schedule. And maybe it's in those moments where he invites us to wait and the natural response, I know I would do better <laughs> if my natural response would be to go into a place of prayer while I waited for God to reveal himself and show himself in the way that he had in store and planned. What are you like at waiting? So here we're going to read a bit of text from Acts chapter 2. Now I'm going to give a broad brush stroke fly over. I'm going to pick some bits out. I'm going to read some bits and other bits I'm going to encourage you to read later and just give you the highlights. But here's Acts chapter 2, the first few verses. Uh, when the day of Pentecost came, 
They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Now it occurred to me, just as I read this this week, I've heard and read this text a number of times. When the day of Pentecost came, I've often thought this was the day of Pentecost that began something new. But as I read that for the first time, it suddenly occurred to me that people were already coming because of the day of Pentecost. Now Pentecost, uh, the Greek word for Pentecost, I think is Pentecostis, uh, and it actually literally means 50th. And it's actually a day, and you can get an insight into this as we read that um, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven were staying in Jerusalem. So all of a sudden, between those two things, you can see the writer has drawn our attention to something else that was taking place. And you can go and read uh, Leviticus 23, Numbers 28, Deuteronomy 16, and they talk about the festival of weeks or the festival of harvest, which takes place 50 days after the Passover, which reminded people of their call out of slavery into freedom. So people, the, the festival was already intent and it had in fact been in place for generations the reason for people gathering had been in place for generations and i'm sure it had become a tradition an important tradition an important tradition for devout god-fearing jews they had understood they had gathered from every region every region and uh, district around jerusalem and probably further than that they traveled for days and we can see later, you can read in Acts chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, the districts that they traveled from. And this is what shocked them, which we'll get to a little bit later on. But it struck me that while the Jews were gathering, while the devout Jews were gathering for a traditional purpose, God was using something old, something that he had instituted hundreds of years earlier to reveal something new. This is this transformation in between. Many of them weren't even aware of it. Remember there was maybe somewhere between 12 and 120 people who were aware of something new taking place and they waited for it. For those devout God-fearing Jews coming into a traditional festival, they hadn't even yet captured that something new was happening. Think about that. We think about how we gather and we wait and we just kind of we can I know I can it can be going through the motions here's the order here's what we do oh what does it look like though to come with a with a sense of newness and freshness and I know even in this time online church we can just go we flick the tv on and that's become our tradition already because we're devout because that's become our way of life what does it look like to be in this in-between moment of what we have known and what we don't yet know with a sense of readiness? 
So generations had set aside time to travel and gather around this common purpose. God uses what was appointed and encouraged and he gives it new meaning. Now I just want to highlight too what I think is really important here and what I, what I really want us to remember as well as a really key moment in this. The value of community. Now maybe we've spoken about this and I know a number of people have made comment about it and I spoke a little bit about it last week. But the value and the importance of community cannot be undervalued or forgotten in this moment. Now I know our community might look like four or five people or one person uh, but you're still part of our community. And I think it's important that we don't lose the value of what it means to gather as community in all its expressions, whether it's with 200, 300, 20 people because of social distancing. It's community. And it's something that's intrinsically understood by uh, companies and businesses. Um, I've found over the last few weeks I've really taken up uh, some running again and really enjoyed that as a time just to go and focus on one thing. I don't have any music, I don't have any podcast, I just go and focus sometimes quite literally on taking the next step to get from point A, do a loop and get to point B, uh, the same place incidentally, but uh, so running has been really helpful. Now I've got a sports watch which is connected to an app on my phone and uh, this app on my phone, Nike uh, Plus Running Club, celebrates a lot of things. It celebrates your first run, it celebrates your fastest run, it celebrates your fastest kilometre, your fastest mile, uh, it celebrates when you've run for the greatest amount of time, when you've run the most distance. You get little notifications that say, hey, congratulations, well done. Um, and you get little kind of tokens on your phone. You know, you kind of go, ah, oh, big deal. You get a bronze award when you run... 100 kilometres, when you run 150 kilometres, you get another award all on your phone. You don't need a display cabinet for them. But what fascinates me about this app, that if I go and run five kilometres on a Sunday, I get recognised as part of the global community. See, Nike understands something that is intrinsically placed within us. Even if they don't have any faith, any sense, I don't know if they're a Christian organisation, I don't know their philosophy, but they understand something. There is something intrinsically placed in all of us. And it's something we're discovering at the moment too, incidentally, through this pandemic. We are hungry for a deeper, richer sense of community. So consider this your award today. Hey, congratulations. You're part of a global community, a worldwide transforming, life-changing community, even if you don't know why you've clicked online today. Because you and I understand something that Nike understands. We want to belong to something bigger. This is what the devout Jews understood. They were part of something bigger. They were part of a God-ordained community. And it's powerful. And in this space uh, in between, community, I believe, and particularly the faith community, and if you're not a person of faith today, that's okay because you've clicked online, you're obviously exploring and wondering and asking questions. So you're a part of our community because we are travellers, we are learners along the way. That's what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, a learner of his ways. So if you're with us, and I think the faith community to, at the moment, the church, is being positioned again for transformation. If we're willing to pay attention, 
if we're willing to anticipate and if we're willing to participate. Could it be that God is again getting the attention of his people, of those who are hungry to know him in a deeper way, of those who are hungry to express his love in a community and to those who don't yet know him? Could it be that God is again getting the attention of his people for a new season God is revealing himself I believe to those who will wait for his empowering now I know even as I say that I've got to really think about this because I'm not very good at waiting I've got jobs to do I've got things I want to achieve things I need to be mindful of things I need to plan for and I need to pull back and wait again for his empowering for his revelation for his insight But I do believe that God is again preparing his church to become the voice, the proclamation and the invitation into a transforming relationship. So let's go on. I hope you're going okay. Uh, In Acts chapter 2, verse 7, Utterly amazed, they they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And in verses 11 to 13, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Now here, when you're reading the text, we need to be ready and paying attention because there's something beautiful that happens here, and I hope you're with me here. They asked that all these devout, God-fearing Jews all gathering together for an important festival, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? You know what they're doing there? They're having a crack at this community. Hang on, what they're saying here, these people aren't like us. They don't talk like us, they don't look like us, they don't sound like us. What's happening here? Because then they're going utterly amazed, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And they're amazed and perplexed by this. Now, there's a couple of other things that happen. Sorry, I had a brain fade there for a minute. I've come back. A couple of other questions and choices that I think become reflective for us too. What does this mean? Or do we make fun of things that we don't understand? Do we just become dismissive of people and their experience or their encounter of God because they're not as devout as us? They don't look like us? They don't sound like us? Now I know... I know that I have been dismissive. I know there have been times where I've looked at things and gone, man, those people are wacko. I'm really deeply sorry for that. I've had to apologise for that in my own spirit. God might not know them personally, but just to say, God, you know what? If these are your people discovering your heart and you're you're transforming work, I'm sorry. Because I'm really grateful that not everybody looks like me or sounds like me. (laughs) You probably are too. That would be scary, wouldn't it? I've been guilty of dismissing other people's experience of God. I don't want to be like that. And especially in this moment, we can be encountering something new and dynamic. I don't want to dismiss something that doesn't fit my viewpoint, my worldview, my understanding or my experience. Because here's the thing. My limitations are not the measure of God's capacity. Think about that for a moment. My limitations 
are not the measure of God's capacity. They're not the measure of God's capacity for miracles. They're not the measure of God's capacity to reveal himself. They're not the measure of God's capacity to do new things. God is way beyond anything that I could imagine, comprehend, or come to terms with. And I get a small glimpse into him every now and then. <laughs> but my limits are not the measure of God's capacity. And I want, to be, I want to be someone who asks, what does this mean? What is happening right now? What is God up to? What am I being invited into? How can I participate in what God is doing? Because we can be really quick at jumping to, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do that. Oh, there's a good idea on that. Let's get a hold of that. And that might, they're great things and they might be good things, but it might not actually be what God is asking you or us to participate in. And we need to be really mindful of that. That might be for someone else who has a completely different viewpoint and understanding of experience of God. But I do want to be a person who has the courage and the humility to come back and say, God, what does this mean? What are you doing here? What are you inviting me into? What are you inviting us into? These questions that are asked by the devout Jews, those crowds that are gathered in bewilderment and amazement, invoke a response. Peter stands up. And again, here, the position of community here. This is, I think this is really key and really powerful. Peter stood up with the 11. Now, he becomes the spokesperson. He becomes the voice. He becomes the front man, if you like. And maybe nobody else had to say, I don't know how they decided that. But he stood up. It was enough. It was important enough for Luke, the author of Acts, the same person who wrote the Gospel of, Acts, uh, the Gospel of Luke. It was important enough for the author of Acts, to write this in. Why do you think that is? Because again, I think he wants to highlight the nature and the power of standing together as community and expressing their single-minded thought of being together. So Peter raised his voice and he addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And the following verses go on to describe the vision from the prophet Joel several hundred years earlier. And Joel talks about in his vision that God will pour out his spirit, that people will prophesy and they will pray, that young men will have visions and old men will have dreams. There'll be wonders and signs. And this is some of what this group of people, these God-fearing Jews, these people who have gathered, these devout people who have gathered for a particular festival are beginning to encounter. And they're going, oh yeah, I remember hearing about that prophet. I remember that story being told to me around the fire or in our homes, on our rooftops, on our streets, on our local temples. Oh, I remember that. Their spirits are going, oh, hang on. There's something shifting here for me. I'm in between what I knew and what I don't yet know. And because we recognize that, there's a transformation. And then Peter gets to the end of this uh, early part and he begins to declare what Jesus said to them. When you go to Jerusalem, wait, you'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit and then you'll be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And Peter gets in early 
And in verse 21, he says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name will be saved. Now, this is fascinating. I think this is a beautiful text. I think it's a beautiful statement because in our day and age, we don't need saving, do we? And I suspect there might have been God-fearing, devout Jews saying the same thing. What do you mean we're going to be saved? Because we've been devout. We've been religious. We've followed the law. We're in fact here because of a religious festival. And Peter still has the courage to say, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's as simple as that. Others have got to work out how to respond to it. Not everyone will hear it. Not everyone will respond to it. But he's already working and witnessing. And what also I realize here is that the signs and wonders taking place are not for these feel-good, self-glorifying moments. So I can sit here and say, oh, how wonderful that was. Now, there's no doubt we can say that when we experience the power and the, the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. But it's always to give glory and testimony to God and to be able to declare what God has done in me and through me. Signs and wonders bring transformation and a testimony that Jesus has victory over death. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Paul, uh, Peter sorry, goes on from here, these verses, and he becomes really direct with the crowd. He becomes really direct uh, with the devout people. And he says, God has raised Jesus to life and we are witnesses to this and now we're becoming witnesses to what we have seen to something that we hope will be revealed to you god has made this jesus and then he just goes in for the soccer punch and he says whom you crucified whom you crucified god has made this jesus whom you have crucified both lord and messiah you know what i love about this it doesn't actually cause people to turn away or turn around or ignore it it actually invites them to respond to Jesus. It doesn't actually come with a spirit of condemnation. It doesn't actually even come with a spirit of shame. He's just saying it as it was. You know, God has gone to the cross in his son through Jesus because of the way that you behaved. It's true today. And in verses 37 to 38, we read, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? What shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This remains the invitation for us today. Now you might say, Oh, I didn't put Jesus on the cross. I'm not the one who crucified him. No, but are you walking in his ways? And see, this is the reality about the nature of sin and turning away from Jesus and the need to repent. When, he is, when we are not aligned with him, when we are participating in life that actually takes life away or destroys life. Now, we might think we're building our own life, we're successful in our own life, but I would really challenge you to examine that for yourself. Are you content or are you always striving for more for yourself? Or when we... Uh, 
have a, a negative attitude or a negative behavior towards ourselves or towards others. There's something that has been placed within us that turns away from the life-giving nature of God. And this is what it is to repent. It's not only to, to turn away from our old behavior, from our old life, but it is to turn towards, to, turn towards God who has revealed himself fully through Jesus, who went to the cross to take all our guilt, all our shame, all our fear, all our destructive nature of life and reveal to us the full extent of God's love. And the invitation that was given to that crowd that gathered in utter amazement is the same invitation to you and I today. Repent and be baptised. You might have been part of the church for a while but have never responded. Or maybe you've clicked online for the first time and you're searching for some purpose. You're searching for some expression of hopes, for some meaning, for some revelation. Maybe you just need to know today that you are loved. Maybe you have been a part of the church for a long time. Maybe you've even made that confession of faith that declares Jesus as Lord. But you've kind of wandered away, not, not intentionally, you just kind of this slow drift and the invitations, repent and be baptised. And so we want to invite into this space just to pray. You might want to lift, turn your hands in an act of surrender. You might want to raise your arms in an act of surrender. You might want to be on your knees. You might want to stand. I want to encourage you just to make a movement that indicates I want to be transformed. You're in this in-between space at the moment, what you have known and what you don't yet know. And I want to invite you to be in a place where you receive the, the forgiving power of the Holy Spirit over your life, where we declare Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour and we commit to following him all our days. Would you pray with me? Father, we want to uh, thank you in this moment right now for all those who are watching and just declaring and wanting to say what shall we do what shall we do maybe that we don't understand what's happening but we just feel this urge this sense you're just washing over us right now and we pray that your holy spirit would be washing over us in all our encounters in all our experiences that we would discover something new about who you are today that we would not limit your capacity to reveal yourself to us and in this moment father uh, for those of us who are wanting to respond, we want to confess that we have walked apart from your ways, walked apart from your plans. We have ignored you. We have uh, separated ourselves from you. We have not walked in line with your heart for us. And so, Father, we come into this time and we confess that we have sinned. And we want to declare you, Jesus, as our Lord, the one who we will submit to, to as the one who has authority over our lives and the one who saves us we thank you for your love we pray that you will reveal your love in incredible ways as people watch this that you would bring great revelation empower people in your holy spirit so that they would know that you are there with them we thank you in the name of jesus amen if you've made that confession today, we'd love you to uh, be in touch. Email us at life at horsham.org.au so that we can follow you up, so that we can have a conversation because you might not have participated in this before, but we would love to talk about the nature of baptism, the nature of the outward expression of that declaration that you've just made. 
the outward expression of uh, symbolically going under the water, going into death and being raised up into new life. So contact us and one of our team would uh, love to uh, be in touch with you this week. Just before we finish though today, a little bit differently, I want to leave you with a promise. Maybe you've been praying for your family for a long period of time. Maybe you've been praying for a friend for a long period of time. Maybe you've been praying for God to reveal himself to you for a long period of time so that you can be a a powerful and dynamic and humble witness to those around you, to those who have been faithfully waiting, to those who have been faithfully praying. Hear this. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. God has not yet finished. We might feel like we're in this in-between place. We might be watching our friends and our family in this in-between place. Do not give up. There are still many to know the nature and the revelation of God. There are still many to come in our families and in our community who God is calling. There is many who are still yet to say, Jesus is their Lord and Saviour. Blessings, friends.